Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the pandemic and beyond. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Caris. In this special episode, we'll be talking to one of the winners of the 2022 Osmosis Raise the Line Faculty Awards, who was chosen from over 1,000 nominations we received from 377 institutions around the world with students and colleagues submitting videos and testimonials telling us how much they embody the six osmosis core values. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Kishore Gopal Banerjee, who was the overall winner for the medicine osteopathy category. And welcome to the program and congratulations. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored and humbled. That's great. So why don't you tell us uh, more about where you teach and what you teach and more broadly speaking, the role you play day to day. Okay, so currently I'm actually as a work as a clinical pathologist. I'm currently working as an associate professor in the Faculty of Medicine in Manipal University College, Malaysia, which is one of the premier institutes in the Malaysian region for healthcare. And uh, I'm by profession, I'm an MBBS MD doctor, and a clinical pathologist. Pathology is my area of specialization. So I'd love to get some more personal background and professional background and particularly find out what drew you to teaching? Why did you ultimately decide to pursue that role? Okay. So I actually belong to uh, eastern part of India. There is a state of West Bengal. And I was born and brought up in a, a small town, I would say rather village area in the West Bengal, India, which is uh, in the border area between India and Bangladesh. And then I spent my early part of my life, around 15 years there. And there... Uh, it was uh, pre-Google era, pre-internet was not there at that point of time. So as a student, I felt that I was I was very eager to learn. I was always trying to learn. I, I finished almost all books in the local library. So when I used to go to the library or the local bookshops and I used to ask for more books, the challenge I faced at that point of time is that they used to tell that we need to go to the uh, big cities to bring back the books. So you need to keep wait. Uh, you need to wait for another uh, week, one week or one month in that sense. So I felt uh, that education is not accessible to everyone at that point of time. That As a child, I also felt that. And uh, uh, from that pool, uh, I still uh, managed to rank eighth in the, in the top 10 in the state board. And I also got uh, national NTAC scholarship from the Indian government, National Statistics Innovation. Then I cleared both uh, medical and engineering entrance exam, but I chose medicine. And I did medicine from uh, Calcutta Medical College. Now it is called Medical College Calcutta, uh, which is one of also one of the uh, oldest institutes in the Asia. And then after finishing my MBBS, I applied for the specialization. And in India, you need to appear in a competitive exam to get a residency. So I ranked 61 in all India wow. uh, in the entrance exam. And I chose pathology by choice because most of the people, they prefer to choose uh, clinical subjects, like more glamorous subjects, surgery, medicine. I was getting almost all other subjects, but I chose pathology because I felt that uh, my strength is in dissecting data and I can I can correlate data quite well. So, so I thought that, that I should play with my strength rather than going with that what others are doing. 
So I chose pathology and I, I felt I took the right decision. So then I joined uh, as a pathology resident in All India Institute of Medical Sciences, AIMS, in New Delhi, which is the most prestigious institute considered in India. Uh, and then I completed my residency from there, my post-graduation or specialization. I did also uh, my senior residency there. And then I started my career as a pathologist and also as an educator. So when you, I'm just wondering about those early days of teaching. Was it what you expected? And, and what had been, what was the learning curve like for you? So it started in this way that when I was doing my residency, my co-residents, they used to tell me that they used to be, they used to love being taught by me. So even before exam, they used to taught by me. So they, they used to tell that they love uh, the way I explain the things in the seminars on the, when, when I discuss with them. So, so, so I started to un uh, understand, even my mother always told me that this, that, that your biggest strength is your explanation capability. So, so, so I start to understand that if I uh, do this thing, that if I become an educator, it would be, I think, more beneficial for others. Because I start to understand that it's my calling in some, at some point of time. And do you know what it is about the way you explain things that works, that's effective? Uh, as other students, the students told me that I use a lot of analogies. I lo use a lot of real life examples. I'd like to give an example here. Uh, I visited a sushi restaurant in 10, 15 years back. And when I visited that, the idea came to me how to explain diabetes mellitus. For example, in sushi restaurant, what happens that the, the, the customers used to actually stand in rows or sit in rows. And usually the conveyor belt is taking the sushis. So what happens that I told that students that let's say that you are very hungry. You went to a sushi restaurant and your hands are tied back and you're <laughs> waiting that you can see that the sushis are going on in the conveyor belt, but you cannot touch that. Exactly the same thing happens in our body when we have diabetes mellitus. Our cells are hungry and they can see that there's a lot of glucose in the blood, but that glucose to enter inside the cells, they need insulin and insulin receptors to work. But in diabetes mellitus, they, they, they're not available or the insulin is not, there's a insulin resistance there. So what is happening that all the sushis are going through the conveyor belt, but we are hungry, but the cell that the, the person which is standing next to that conveyor belt, they cannot access that. And that's why we have, we have so much glucose in that uh, blood vessel, high blood sugar. Uh, and uh, that is the there's explanation. So this kind of ideas always come in my mind uh, for almost all aspects, actually. I think, uh, to me, analogies are the most powerful because people can remember them and repeat them to other people, <laughs> you know, because if it's, a, if it's a situation like that that everybody can relate to, uh, it's just a very powerful way to do it. Absolutely. So were there particular people that inspired you to be a teacher? Yes, absolutely. Um, the most influential people who helped me to become a teacher is those people who actually saw something in me in the early part of my life. I particularly want to mention uh, my primary school teacher, Mr. Sujon Banerjee, and uh, my high school teacher, Mr. Sachindranath Choudhury. They are the most uh, influential people in my mind, apart from my parents, my father, uh, Mr. Indro Banerjee, and my mother, Malavika Banerjee. So particularly, I would like to mention uh, those teachers, which Mr. Sachindro and Mr. S uh, Sujon Banerjee, the thing is that, that as I mentioned, that I was uh, growing up in a part where uh, there are a lot of challenges in the learning process. And that time, what used to happen that in uh, India or in West Bengal, there used to be a top 10 students list. 
So my teacher always used to say that somebody from this area, there are a lot of good students are in this area. Uh, somebody should be there in the top 10. Uh, uh, but mostly the list were dominated by people uh, from some elite schools uh, in the big cities. Mm -hmm. So so one of the teacher I mentioned in the early part of my, uh, when I was, I think, fifth standard, he mentioned that Kishore is going to be probably going to be one of those, the top 10 students list. And nobody believed him at that point of time. <laughs> So he mentioned the, the, this story, this thing to me one day that I, I, I'm counting on you and you should do some, definitely do well. So so they kept believing in me when probably I was also not believing in myself in that sense. So I I, I, I ranked in the top 10 at that point of time after a few years. So, so that gave me a lot of self-belief in that sense. Uh, that if you have uh, means... The capacity to learn and have the capacity to persevere, you're definitely going to do well in life. That's great. I could see why it stuck with you because it was <laughs> such an early, you know, example of motivation um, and how it works. You know, there is something about your teaching that caught my eye about the uh, gamification. So how do you <laughs> work that into your instruction? Actually, I feel that the, the education, the learning process should be fun because if the learning is happening in a fun environment, stressless environment, then only you can learn it properly. Uh, if it is work happening in a very stressful environment that you need to learn this and you get marks out of this, then I don't think uh, students get motivated enough to learn. So, so I always want to uh, add an element of gamification to my learning process all the time. What's an example of that? How do you do that? I usually do certain, uh, like I uh, I use a lot of social medias in this. I have a Instagram channel called uh, Pathology360. Uh, where I do that, I usually cre I create a series called Who Am I? So I usually give a clue, let's say for a disease, that is the clue number one, then it is the clue number two, clue number three. And then I, uh, after, at the end, I mentioned the disease and, and then I discussed the salient features of that disease. Uh, or uh, pathology, there are a lot of images out there, like people usually confuse, you understand? Like uh, owl's eye appearance could be for cytomegalovirus caused diseases, cell changes, and also for Hodgkin lymphoma reach Sternberg cell. So I have created a series called This or That. <laughs> so 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 how to differentiate between this and that? Because pathology is nothing but I feel that uh, in the newspaper, often we see that this is the image A and this is the image B. Mm -hmm. So uh, so they usually ask that, what are the differences between these two images? So let's say one image, there are five people there, and another image, there are three people there. In one image, there are three, five, uh, two people are wearing a hat. In the another image, nobody is wearing a hat. So pathology is nothing but differentiating between the normal picture and the abnormal thing. So it boils down to that, I feel, actually. So that's a good way to sort of start training their brain to think that way. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. So in order to win the award, uh, as I mentioned at the top, you received many nominations and testimonials, and I'm going to read some of what we heard about you. So Dr. Keyshore is truly passionate about teaching and his subjects. As his student, I've honestly never met a lecturer who gives 100% in what he does as much as Dr. Keyshore. His energy when he teaches, whether online or face-to-face, -face, is highly radiative, and even someone who isn't really into a topic will get into it when they listen to him teach. He knows how to grab students' attention and maintain it with him until the end of the lectures. So what's your reaction to that? 
I feel super happy. I feel super grateful. And I usually get this kind of messages even on uh, sometimes in social media platforms. And also sometimes my students message me in WhatsApp. When I read that, uh, uh, sometimes it brings tears to my eyes. Uh, I, I feel, I start to cry actually. Uh, there are some, some, mes some messages so emotional in that sense. And usually I read those messages before going to bed and I read them and then I fall asleep. And I, I think uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it gives me a lot of motivation to, to improve further. That's wonderful. Do you have students who stay in touch with you? Yes, a lot of students, uh, they tell me that they, they found a cancer and I taught them earlier about that cancer and they saw a patient of that day. And when they saw that patient, it reminded uh, me that, that I taught them those topics. So, so it, it feels a great sense of satisfaction. It gives a satisfaction, a pleasure to me, actually. That's the beauty of education. It really is wonderful. So um, as you may know, Osmosis has six core values, which are start with the heart, spread joy, have each other's backs, imagine more, open your arms, and reach further. Is there one of those that you feel you embody best? And, and tell us why. I think that imagine more, uh, I embody, embody it a lot because uh, I feel that there is a there's a key role of imagination in teaching. Because uh, if you can imagine things and you can put analogies, you can compare the things with a real life experience, then it becomes very easy for the student. And what I felt osmosis has done for the last 10 years, I think it has brought revolution in the world of medical education. Uh, what it has done, it it's basically has uh, means uh, simplified the very complicated concepts in the medicine and put into bite-sized medical videos of five minutes or 10 minutes, which has helped uh, to understand the, the medicine to not only to the medical students, but I feel also to clinicians and other healthcare professionals throughout the world. And it is one of the best things that has happened in the field of medical education, I feel, uh, in the last 10 or 15 years. So, so, and the way they, 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 convey the ideas, the way they use the certain uh, sound effects yes. uh, in the video. That That's fantastic, actually. That means they're not only, they're trying to provide you a 360 degree level of learning experience, uh, kind of using all your senses. So so that that's that's incredible, that's fantastic. And as an educator, I, I feel greatly motivated when I watch a video of osmosis. Well, boy, we love to hear all of that. And plus, speaking of imagination and creativity, the uh, illustrators are just brilliant, I think, in the ways that they Absolutely. augment it with things that help tell the story uh, that they're trying to tell. And it's, it's quite impressive. Yes, absolutely. It means all aspects of Osmosis videos are means top-notch, I would say. Oh, that's great. I'm just wondering what's next for you as you think about your teaching evolving as an educator and, and what's next for your college? Uh, personally, I want to uh, introduce a lot of technologies in my education. I aspire to do so. One of the things I want to do uh, with the help of technology, and I don't know how to figure it out. Like, let's say I have a lot of ideas when I am teaching granuloma, granulotus disease. I think of a prison, that granulomas are a prison in the cell. So if we create an immersive experience for the students, when I am telling a story and the students can also be part of that story, through using technology, like using metaverse, which is uh, the new concept nowadays, or artificial intelligence. I think that would be wonderful because what I'm trying to do right now, I'm 
telling them a story and I'm helping them to visualize something which I'm also visualizing in my brain. Hmm. But if they can really see what I'm thinking and they can be part of that story, then I think the learning process will be wonderful. And I'm very sure the technology is going to figure it out in next decade, maybe. And I want, I have a lot of stories to tell and I really don't know how to tell that story effectively. I have that idea in my brain, but the problem is that I, I don't have access to the right uh, technology because I'm not skilled at enough for that, I feel, to tell it in the right way. So that's, I feel, I want to do uh, in the coming days if I get the opportunity. Yeah, it's a really interesting subject to contemplate because it might require educators to acquire those skills to learn how to build a virtual environment, right, in the metaverse, or the educational institutions will have to bring in people or upskill people on their staffs now to help educators do that, because I totally agree that that would be a really impactful way to teach. Yes, absolutely. So as an educational institution, we'd love to fill knowledge gaps and love to take direction from our guests about something that we could do, a video we could make or a course we could develop to fill a knowledge gap or bust a myth or otherwise tell people something that you really think everybody ought to know? What would that be? I feel that uh, the medical education is currently thought uh, more as, uh, in, lot of, in a lot of parts of the world, as rote, rote learning, I would say, that memorization of a lot of things, actually. But medical medicine learning can be fun, can be interactive, uh, can be painless. And I think already Osmosis is doing it in a great way. And I feel that the future is quite bright for medical education. And if we use the technologies, if we use the right kind of motivated people who wants to teach, then I think it would be wonderful for not only for osmosis, but for the rest of the medical communities also. I would agree with that. And a lot of bright minds in medical education. You know, you're dealing with students all the time. What's your go-to advice to them about preparing for a career in medicine? I would say them that they should follow their heart and they should not follow what the current trend is, which subject is trending, which is giving, uh, which the others are following. They should uh, play according to their strength, that what what suits their, their skill, their mindset. They should choose their specialization area accordingly. That is one of the aspects I'd like to tell. Second thing I, I tell that, uh, that sometimes students are only motivated to learn to score well in marks or score well in certain exams. That should not be the only motivation for learning. The learning should be uh, for fun, should be to get some mental pleasure, to get some kick. And if you're not getting that kick, something is wrong. So I, I feel personally that they should uh, self-introspect and they should ask that, are they really enjoying the process of learning? And, and that's very important, that's very vital because uh, this is a great profession and uh, they have means not only it's a great profession because you are serving people, but also you are serving the uh, community, you are serving your family and everybody in this process. That means uh, you, you can play a big role, not only as a doctor, but also as an educator, you can be an entrepreneur. There are many roles you can play as a, as a, as a physician. And uh, I think you should be open-minded. You should not always think that I'm going to do in this way, this fixed way, that's one. You should have open mindset rather than a fixed mindset, that's the one thing. Second thing, I feel that the medical students should read a lot of non-medical books because I see a lot of medical students are only reading medical books. And that uh, means uh, sometimes they create a myopic vision for them. They could only see things in a certain way. But if they read widely, they read a lot of non-medical books. 
then I think they can think widely and that could help uh, them to shape as a better medical professional. And obviously they should enjoy the learning process more. So tell me more, a little bit more about them reading th non-medical things. So that means they can connect dots in a different way or talk a little bit more about that. Absolutely, because when you read a lot of things that it's like uh, you have a latest version of the iPhone and you are you have only uh, downloaded only one app in that when you can download thousand of apps. <laughs> and you can use that iPhone in a different way. So similarly, you have an excellent human brain when you have joined this profession, I hope, because... And so you should utilize your, your mental capacities in a better way, in a more efficient way. So if you learn a lot of things, like I read all kinds of books. Uh, I read self-help books, uh, fiction, non-fiction, all kinds of books I read. Particularly, I'm very fond of uh, self-help kind of books. I also read to uh, audio books extensively. And reading to all these great minds, because book is a way to... Uh, to connect with those great minds. Let's say somebody has written a book and just by reading that book for three hours, you can get all the ideas the person has uh, acquired through his whole lifetime. Right. They did 30 years of hard work to write that book, right? Yeah, yes, yes, correct. So, so I feel that uh, they should read more books. They should read extensively. They should not focus only on medical books, but they should read all kinds of books. And it would help them as a, as a medical profession. I'm very sure about that because they would understand the another person's perspective that would help to build them empathy, which is very important as a medical professional. So, so those soft skills, uh, they could only develop if they read more extensively, I feel. And I have to point out that true to your uh, claim at the beginning about being good at analogies, the iPhone analogy was terrific. Immediately helped me understand what you were saying. Thank you. So, um, as we wrap up here, you already mentioned a couple of teachers that uh, were influential, but are there other peers, students, mentors, family members, anybody else you'd like to do a shout out to? Yeah, I'd like to, I'm especially thankful to my wife, uh, Parthamitra, Dia, my daughter, Archisha, and to all my dogs. Uh, I have actually adopted a lot of stray dogs. And throughout <laughs> my life, actually, I've adopted a lot of dogs. Uh, so they always give me some... Uh, I'm peace of mind, some kind of tranquility to, to achieve further. And I'm also grateful to all those uh, uh, students who who helped me to become a great educator or better educator, I would say. You are the first person that's thanked their dogs. So I have to say that you're number one on my list as far as, as, far as that's concerned. <laughs> but listen, I want to tell you, this has really been a great pleasure to meet you, Dr. Banerjee. We want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today and congratulate you again on receiving the award. It's obvious why you were nominated and chosen. And we just want to wish you the best and thank you so much for what you do to educate the next generation of medical professionals. Thank you so much for having me in this great podcast. And it was great talking to you. And I really, really enjoyed this, this show. Well, that's great. Thanks so much. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for checking out this special episode of Raise the Line. If you'd like to learn about the other faculty award winners from 2022, please check out osmosis.org forward slash faculty dash awards. And as always, remember to do your part to raise the line and strengthen the healthcare system. We're all in this together. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. Mm -hmm.